0: University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore. We get together twice a week and we chew on God's word and uh, discuss it and do that for your benefit. We get to uh, package up these pre digested little bites of information for, for your uh, sustenance. So today we have with us Jorel Carper. It's me. It's Jarrell, everyone. I know I've seen the fan mail. You guys can't get enough of Jarrell. The views are out of control. It's ridiculous. Not true. Not true. <laughs> so, Jarrell gave me a little taste test this morning about what he's going to talk about, and that taste test came in the form of two words, and those two words were men's, men's ministry. ministry. And I thought to myself, "Say no more. I, <laughs> I, I can't handle any more.
1: Turn the volume up.
0: Let's go right now and record this. Turn the lights off. Let's go.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay." Well, yeah, for listeners, I am in the middle of writing my uh, sermon on compassion in the discipleship series, and I thought I'd take a little lunch break and come in here and just have a little lighthearted discussion around uh, men's ministry. So when I was hired here, which is approaching a year now, um, one of the things on my plate uh, that Brett asked me to help oversee was our men's ministry. And, you know, it's been ebbing and flowing in the 12 or 13 years of UFC, Um, and it had kind of been in a little bit of a, I don't know, a a stall. Yeah, holding. When I was maybe. when I got here, and so did some work to find some guys that were interested in leadership. We made some moves, and um so I thought, hey, it might be kind of cool to gain some traction, momentum for a little behind the scenes look at what we're thinking about men's ministry at UFC.
0: Yeah. So, what have you been working on? Where Where are we heading?
1: Yeah. Well, I wanted to start with. Uh two ways that I've seen men's ministry done poorly. Okay. Do you have any guesses, Chris?
0: Oh gosh.
1: Those are wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um well I know we've talked about kind of the rah-rah, um, let's get, you know, movie posters, barbecue, axe throwing, like let's rally around this this hyper masculinity. And that's not to say that, you know, I'm a very masculine man. Very <laughs> masculine.
1: So many uh, tattoos. My
0: hands have never touched a real day of labor in their lives. I'm an oh, artist. So wow. <laughs> but yeah, that's one way we've we've seen it kind of go awry.
1: Yeah, that that's the second one on my list, but we can start there since you started there and you know
0: Nobody can see your list, Jarrell.
1: Well that could have been I the first. just hold them. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I wrote down the, the lumberjack centered men's ministry and it was really a recent fad and it has hopefully died off now, I think as more people listen to uh, the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast and just kind of see some of the downsides to that. But I've been in churches and I've seen churches where um, you, you go to their men's event and they hand you like a pocket knife and there's like gunshots and everything's camo. And um, you know, this is going to open up a huge can of worms as far as just, you know, ratio you know, is going
0: to come after us. Well, I'm a
1: lumberjack. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm not trying to have the, like a, a larger conversation about masculinity and all that kind of stuff. But um, this idea that men's ministry in a church needs to be centered around like men going out to camp and chopping down trees and doing these kind of, you know, John Wayne lumberjack type things. And that, you know, even if that's not the stated focus, it ends up being what you leave with. And, you know, there are a lot of men that don't relate to uh, throwing an ax and, um you know, might be put off by that or not attend or just feel feel less than and i I don't see Jesus <laughs> necessarily showing that type of character um in him um and so that's one way I think we're we're not gonna do that we might you know, I think we have Brett kane and he wants to go and Ray Schaefer on our leadership team, you know, and i we went and chopped wood and we did that kind of stuff, but we didn't do it because that's what we think men's ministry is that was just what we did, you know.
0: Yeah. I think it, it is a matter of what's at the center. Like what is the, what is the whole point of getting together? Is it to do a fun activity? Cause those are fun and it's, there's nothing wrong with getting together brothers and sisters in Christ and doing a fun activity because you share that in common. Or is the point you're getting together, Jesus, and to walk away looking more like Jesus, not better at landing a bullseye with an ax. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. And we'll get to, you know, we'll get to some of that. I, you know, the other one that I wrote down was entertainment, centered um and so if if you are at a church where there is someone who is paid on staff that has somewhere in their title men's ministry you are in a very large and wealthy church relative relatively speaking to the globe especially but even even the united states um that if you can afford to pay someone to run a men's ministry program in your church you have a larger church and a lot more resources to throw around or you know Or that that happens to be something you really want to prioritize, but usually you'll hire a youth pastor or something first. So um, that said, what can often happen is that ministry program becomes very programmatic and flashy and flary, And um, that leader puts on big events and big retreats and it all looks really professional and well done and you get catered food and it just kind of becomes like a hoopla. And it seems like the focus is more on the event and the program and how cool it looks than Jesus.
0: Yeah. yeah. Form over substance, style over substance. And I I want to point something out that these things are just as applicable for really any of the ministries. They just happen to kind of plug ministries a little more. Like, shout out to Jamie and Women's Ministry Leadership Team. Um, they get together. They study God's Word. They do fun things that they share in common. But um, I'm always over and over again impressed by how much time – the ladies of our church are spending in the word as a group and a community. Yeah.
1: And, um, dang, what was I going to say? I gotcha. I gotcha. Oh yeah. So the, the right Chris and the entertainment centered program, it creates consumers, you know, your men's ministry is dependent on the people who are paid to run it. Not the, the men in your church actually caring for one another. So, and, and that leads kind of what you are saying of Christ-centered ministry. I mean, um, we do in the church today um, create ministries around particular demographics. A lot of churches have an empty nesters or like a retired group. A lot of our small groups are people in a similar life stage. We have a youth ministry, a college ministry, things that men's and women's, and we're taking a specific like cut of our demographic and applying specific ministry to them. I think what can often happen, especially in men's and women's ministry, is we focus so much on the small portion of scripture that talks about how that particular demographic is different. And so, you know, kind of in that lumberjack programmatic centered ministry, a lot of it is like biblical manhood. And you go away and you talk about what it means to be a man. And, you know, there are portions of scripture that delineate particulars between a man and a a woman, and, you know, Christians have not always seen eye to eye on that. But, you know, 99.9% of our Bible and and our faith in Jesus is not dependent on whether I'm a man or a woman. There's Mm -hmm. not how a man prays, how a woman prays, how a man reads the Bible, how a woman reads the Bible. Like, and we end up focusing so much on these, like, side things that we're not actually talking about some of the main things. And so... I like to think less on, you know, how is men's ministry, how are the goals and what we do different than, say, women's ministry, but more what are the hurdles or what are the things that, you know, if you took, if you looked at the demographic of men, what makes it harder for men to be faithful to Jesus? And let's kind of create some channels around the difficulties of being faithful to Jesus rather than the particulars of being faithful to Jesus as a man. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm almost inclined, and this might be a larger question, but, you know, the fact that there's a need out there uh, or that these ministries exist presupposes that there's a need typically, not always, but um, they're everywhere. You know, they're a part of ministries. Usually you'll see women's ministries before you'll see men's ministries on, like, church websites and stuff. Um, But it it makes me wonder, have we convinced ourselves that the church should be meeting needs on that level? Like, is that the purpose of the church? Should the church be catering to, and then where does that end? You know, cause like you said, empty nester stuff like that. And don't get me wrong. Like we're all people in different stages of life who need support, need communion, all these things. But I agree it can lead to an empty nester as you show up and you're like, Hey, why isn't there a ministry just for me in my stage of life?
1: Yeah. I th- I think we, we can easily get the percentage wrong where, um, a lot of the beauty, and we talked about this in the community you know, practice, a lot of the beauty of the church is its diversity, is the way people bother us. And if we surround ourselves with little bubbles of people that are really like us, whether that's age, gender, life stage, preferences, we miss out on the beauty of the diversity of the church, and especially at an intergenerational level. Um, you know, One of the best youth ministries the church can have is people who aren't youth, who care about youth in a very natural, organic way. So you can do a youth program, but you might have a church body that isn't actually that concerned about youth ministry because none of the adults are mentoring any of the kids. None of the adult groups are showing the youth what it looks like to be a faithful dad or mom or or full-time career person or neighbor or whatever. And when we overemphasize um the distinctiveness of these particular groups we we miss out on a lot of the beauty and then we create people that expect that and want to consume that and um you know I guess people make decisions around <laughs> a lot of those sub programs rather than the core of the church as a as a diverse body of jesus followers
0: yeah, that was uh I don't think you realize the shots you were firing, but that that's some good stuff. I mean, talking about whether or not- Shots fire. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody call police. Don't,
1: don't shoot back because I didn't know that I was shooting. <laughs>
0: um, it just in terms of uh, whether a, a church community, a body of believers, believes in these things is reflected by how they spend their time, how they communicate, who they're investing in, and one might be apt to say, oh, we have a youth pastor. We have a youth ministry. There's there's young people, you know, um, that are leading and they've got time to lead. And that's great. I'm glad that we've got people pouring into our kids. But what are you doing? What, you know? Watching football. They're watching football. Yeah. You know, and certainly, you know, not everyone probably thinks of themselves like that. They're not thinking, I'm just going to ship my kids off or, you know whatever but i do see what you're saying in terms of uh we could be communicating something that this needs being met therefore i don't have to actually participate and especially in men's ministry where our culture will not do anything to teach young men how to become grown men so um how how we nurture men in our church is is going to be reflected in how they invest in the next generation
1: yeah. And we're, you know, we're talking about discipleship as imitation and practice and for a middle schooler or a high schooler, have someone to look up to um, and be able to imitate them in the way their father or a mother, you know, or a spouse and see, you know, you know, there's a lot of college students that like to, <laughs> to have a home cooked meal. And I remember I loved getting to go to real houses while I was in college <laughs> and eat real food. But like see the mess and see yeah. them, oh man, they had to like feed these kids and the floor is a mess and there's dishes everywhere and now it's bath time and that kid's crying and that kid had a poopy diaper, and you're like, Wow, uh <laughs> you know, you're watching people in their in their particular context, and I think that is discipleship.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you. Some of the most impactful relationships my wife and I have had <clears throat> over the years. Is a couple uh, that we've known in a couple different places, but they were the kind of people that invited us into that mess. You know, and it, it was three kids, um, you know, elementary and middle school at the time. And you know, whether it was a family bike ride or if it was just, hey, we're I've got a giant pot of food, come over. It didn't matter, and being able to participate in their family, not just a curated environment. You know, where the kids were away or gave Rachel and I huge insight into like, what does it look like to have a family? Mm-hmm. Cause you think, yeah. Oh, things should be perfect or they should be this and that. And then you go and you see good people doing a good job. That's not perfect. And you're like, aha, I'm learning right. something here.
1: Right. Yep. Man, we could go down that, um, that plane for a while. A little bit. But there. It does apply. Yeah. A lot of this applies to all ministries. Uh, I wanted to talk about some of the hurdles. I think specifically that men might have any connecting in a church community. Yeah. Um, The first is just a schedule. We're still, you know, we're in a culture where predominantly the men are working a nine to five. And, you know, we're here in the office all day and there's women's groups at like nine and 10 and 11 and two. And there aren't men's groups at that time. Um, And, you know, there are a lot of women that work and not, you know, men have flexible jobs or are stay at home dads and. Um, but for, for, the, it does make scheduling harder that I, I can't just schedule a men's Bible study at lunchtime. I mean, I have to do it like on site out in the city where people are working and so, and then evenings get busy. You have sports and you, you come home from work, you have a lot of responsibilities to care for your family. And so it can easily feel like men's ministry, you're trying, you're pulling men away from really good things that they would be doing to love their family, um, in order to come and do like a churchy thing. And it just feels disconnected. Um, the second is vulnerability. Um, you know, I think there is maybe a shift culturally that you know the tough guy attitude isn't as predominant, but it is. I think it is generally more difficult for men to show some vulnerability. And um, the way we do ministry a lot is like sit down and face to face, and over a coffee or in a circle where everyone's looking at each other. And you know, one of the tricks I used in youth ministry was that when I met with um, you know a guy student. Um, I'd usually do I try to do something that is shoulder to shoulder rather than face to face or something that has um, a a, a tertiary action like play ping pong. We had a ping pong table and I'd have high school guys come up and we would just play ping pong and they would talk and open up so much more by playing ping pong or went on a walk by the river. They would just talk because they're not like staring into my eyes (laughs) and Um, I think you get lost. Yeah. Yeah. For, for men to, to be able to do things like, Hey, let's just go ride mountain bike together. And you know, one guy staring at the trees and one guy staring at the other guy's backside and, but you can have conversation or, you know, sharing a task while you talk. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the third is just, I think men can be intimidating or intimidating to one another sometimes. And there can be an insecurity that we all carry and you view another man as like way cooler or, wealthier or higher status or you know more predominant than you and it can be hard to to think that they would want to relate to you and so uh, we, we would want to do we do well to 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 break down some of those social walls and try to have social skills and a humility and, a, and approachability that no matter who you are in our church you know you could go and have a, a a real conversation with another man no matter their age or you know socioeconomic status
0: yeah and for for the the generations that are ahead of the other generations, I think they bear a, a measure more responsibility in that, in in helping bridge that gap backwards, where you know a high school guy is probably going to have a much harder time coming and approaching a you know a family man or or a retired guy and engaging with him emotionally or or in like a mentorship style environment. Whereas somebody who is more mature, they've experienced a lot more life. They've got greater depth. You know, they're going to be able to bridge that much easier. They just have to be aware or, or, um, have a drive to do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've seen some, you know, in the last year or less than a year, I've made two kind of main moves in men's ministry. We've had a couple of events, but i um, outside of that. I think the biggest one has been our prayer groups. And we have men that come on Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, um, There's open slots on Tuesday that that group kind of fizzled out, but and spend time praying together from six to seven thirty. Some of the groups use a guided prayer. Some have just become really close friends. And it was groups of men that for the most part didn't know each other and now are like inseparable and they they care for one another. They support one another. I mean, they wouldn't miss those groups. And I know that time doesn't work for everyone, but. Um, I would love to see, you know, the number of men in our church right now, it's, you know, 30 or so double or triple who are connected to those prayer groups in some way. The other thing is we have a few other men's small groups that are centered around, um, you know, just questions that help keep your life on track. Uh, Chris Watkins uh, renewed those questions actually around our discipleship practices so that every week you can get together with some some guys. And this is a setting where I think it is important to have guys that you really trust and are like you. And there's a time that you extend yourself and reach out. But I think men need a space where there are other men who really know them. They can be honest and vulnerable and a safe place to share some of those you know struggles. And, and not just the stereotypical ones, but any anything and, and care for one another. And so... Um, that's, those aren't groups that I can like force or drag people into. I think they're groups that if you tasted, you would get it and you'd want to keep going.
0: Agreed. Yeah. I think that there's so much, uh, value and richness that can be gained from spending time with other men. I mean, I think, you know, like I said, the stereotypical things, like there's stuff that you just, you don't talk with the ladies about, um, <clears throat> but even just in terms of what does it look like to be a uh, a son, a husband, a, a father, a, you know, to to deal with bosses and power structures and stuff like that. Having people around who are further along than you, who understand those struggles, can I mean, it's man, I I think that it's an essential part of becoming a healthy human being. Period. But especially a man, where you see oftentimes the. The dysfunction of something, say, is like having a fatherless home for a son who never is taught or showed how to be a man. Mm-hmm. How yeah. much more important, even being a biblical man, you know, and a, a disciple of Christ in in your stage of life?
1: Yep. Yeah, we need that. We, we need do. that, and um. So we'll we'll close out here. So if you are a man listening to this, I I wrote down four ways you can, four action steps for you out of this podcast to contribute to men's ministry. for power moves. If you're not a man, find a man and tell him to listen to it. <laughs>
0: Stop listening to this, <laughs> ladies.
1: <laughs> Forward. Um, the first is to simply be a solid member of the church. Uh, like we talked about is to decentralize men's ministry in your mind that, you know, you might be like, why is there not a men's ministry teaching each week or Bible study? And I'm like, did you listen to the sermon? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. So are you, a you want, project? yeah, you? you, there are already so many opportunities in our church to do the things that the church does. Don't wait for a men's ministry version of that in order to step in. And I've found a lot of times the people that do step into the men's stuff are also the people that are already connected to the church. And so I could work really hard to create a lot of content or opportunities for service and all that stuff, which, which is coming down the pipe. But My first thing is like just be a regular church person and do all the things the church has to offer outside of men's ministry before you you know go begging for this or that program you know Mm -hmm. Um, I don't mean that negatively just start there Um, and I wrote engage with what we do have that is the same one so there's three points Uh, the second (laughs) one is to take leadership you know and uh, a lot of these groups start not like more organically you know, be in relationship with people. And if you, if you want to get a group of guys to go down to the Eugene mission and help, uh, you know, play basketball with the life change program people so they can have an easy channel into UFC. Like I can help lead that as a paid staff. You can also just do that. You know, let me know. It'd be cool. I can rally support you. But, (laughs) um, you know, if you have an idea for something, just make it happen. Not everyone's a leader and that's okay. But if you feel like Typically, people with ideas are leaders because they have the ideas. Um, and so, I, I know there's people that want to be available. If if a widow needs her leaves raked, or you know, someone um, got injured and they need yard work done, or someone's wall fell down and we want to repair it, or you know, just like available for stuff like that. I mean, I we have 220 guys on my men's ministry list. There's probably a few more. I can email them. Hey, like this widow needs her lawn mowed and I will not hear back from anyone. <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. that kind of goes to the two, um, no, I guess that's kind of like a sub point. Is just, you know, engage with what we already do have going in men's ministry. Oh, that's that was a second point. <laughs> engage with what we have in men's ministry that like, you know, just go to a prayer group, go to a small group, get on that handyman team, get on that service team, respond to the emails, engage in them. Uh, the last one, sorry, because I'll let you go, but is to... Uh, just simply spend time with guys like you can show up on a, on a Sunday or whatever and take some initiative to like meet someone new or have them over for, you know, a, a barbecue or a late night fire chat and just or go on a, you know, share a hobby or or yard project together. We, we were at this the last men's event. Uh, the question was raised, if you weren't here, what would you be doing? It was a Saturday and 90% of the men were like yard work. <laughs> like, so we're all sitting at our houses by ourselves doing yard work. Like we could just tag team, you know, we could do one house in the morning, one house in the afternoon, and, and just share that. So little things like that of just break the ice by spending time together, and then a lot of the other stuff will happen.
0: Yep, I agree. I, I've had many conversations with people pre, through the years, um, and it's always it always starts as somebody who's who has passion for a thing, and. They want to see this thing. They've got this vision for it. Like we could just do this, this, and this and this. And it it oftentimes stops dead in its tracks because they're not actually willing to do anything. They they have this vision in mind and they say, Why isn't anyone helping with me? Why but what they mean is, why isn't anyone doing this for me and making this really easy? This stuff is hard work. That I mean, if that's if there's any tough love, man talk that I think most of us can relate to. Like this is hard work and it takes really uh, stick to and tenacity to accomplish relationships and growth and seeing things in 10-year chunks instead of 30-minute chunks and wondering why my life isn't where I want it to be right this moment. So I think that seeing something like this as an organic growing uh, garden, you know, it takes concerted effort to have a productive garden. Um, your lawn will get out of control if you don't. Go out there and sweat and push your lawnmower around. So I think that that's good. I'm excited for where men's ministry is going.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: Awesome, um, Jarrell. This was fun. Yeah, I'm excited. All right, brother. Well, I know you've got stuff coming down the pipes. So if you guys are not on Jarrell's email list for men's ministry, please reach out to him. His contact information is on the website, so that he can send out those emails to you as well, and you can kind of stay in the, stay in the loop.
1: Boom. There we go. All
0: right. We'll see you next this time. fun. Yep. See you guys. Bye. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week. So please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples.